Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. Yo, welcome back to another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast, your weekly dose of the dairy state. We, of course, and as always, are your hosts, Eric. And I'm Russ, baby. Yeah. And today we are talking uh, about some really cool historical stuff in our hometown of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Oh, Compton. What up, represent E-Town. Uh, today we are talking about the Webster House Museum. Uh, it's a field trip that is an absolute must and that we all remember if we were uh, in the Elkhorn School District. Uh, it, it's absolutely a staple. Uh, we also have great Wisconsin music in this episode from North Breeze. Uh, we have another Brewski review, which is uh, uh, also another staple. Like We have to drink a beer and tell you about you it. You need a beer. You need a beer yeah, and we got to so tell you about it. All right. Uh, we have another edition of the infamous How Many Locos You At, as well as an interview with Modicum Brewery. Uh, if you have been listening lately, uh, you'll notice uh, some new Locos intro, and that's from uh, a really cool friend of ours, Adam, and uh, his dad, Scott, and, and, and a cast of, of, of cool crew. Uh, really awesome. Um, yeah, the, the bass player is from the uh, uh, UK area. She's absolutely amazing, and uh, they go by Sons of Leroy, uh, so go check them out. Uh, they are on YouTube. I think they have a Facebook and an Instagram as well, uh, so uh, check them out. Buy their music on uh, on iTunes or Apple, whatever, Apple Tunes, uh, whatever, <laughs> Apple Juice, I don't know. Apple Dog. Yay. Just buy, buy their tunes on Apple Juice. Uh, as always, please remember to uh, go on and uh, like, rate, subscribe, review, uh, follow us on all the stuff. And uh, when you hit the, the little subscribe button, uh, there's also a bell that you can hit if you want to be notified. Um, either way, Ding-a-ling-o. definitely Ding-a-ling-o. hit us up. Hey. Uh, visit our website, WisconsinDrunkenHistory.com. We have links to everything that we do on there, including... Patreon and also T Public. So uh, hit that stuff up. We've got some really cool content planned and also some neat content that's already been posted. Yeah, and one of my coworkers, Steph Cybeck. Uh, yeah. Awesome graphic artist, made a lot of our shirt designs. You're going to go on our T Public and see some sick designs. I remember very early on, we would. She's super cool. We had to pay her for uh, helping us with oh, the artwork. Yes. Art, artwork and logos and, and all the different stuff that goes into that. And uh, we met her in. Waukesha uh, and uh, her and her husband rather and that was really fun uh, that was, was right at the beginning of the pandemic and uh, we were we were being safe about it all but uh, but it was really cool to, to kind of connect with somebody who helps us out she's so one, much with that she's one of the coolest people I've ever met at a yeah. job I had so I worked at Generac extremely I, talented we've talked about so I worked at Generac and I was an engineer and where'd uh, you work Generac and, uh, she, and she was one of the graphic artists there and like immediately like the coolest person I've ever met honestly like yeah. her desk was like full of like Funko Pops Funko and like Pops, just cool yeah. things like it was just a great she's just a good person all around she came to my birthday 
I mean, that was really cool. Like you she had a birthday. Up, it was in uh, at the German September? beer hall, and uh, a lot of the graphic artists came out there, and we had a good time. We got trashed, and we played some Hammerschlagen. Nice. So that's my best memory of Steph, and uh, she's just a good person all around. Her husband's cool too, really cool guy. Yeah, and they're just good people. Yeah. So. Which is all that we try to surround ourselves with. Uh, if you're good, if you're a cool people, that's all it takes. Drink a brew with us. Yeah. Have, you're cool in my book. And that's if something you're in Wisco, that you can have a brew. You're cool. That's something that you can enjoy being a patron. So if you follow us uh, and, and, and subscribe to us on Patreon, um, it's very cheap, but it helps keep the lights on. It helps keep things turning. helps us be able to deliver this content to you. Um, so follow us on there. Uh, give us a like. And uh, let's go ahead and jump into our episode here on the Elkhorn Webster House. What the so hell is this place? You've been there. Come on. I've been there, yeah. I, right. I, I was... Why don't you tell everybody else? <laughs> Many of our listeners know we come from a small southern, southeastern town called Elkhorn, Wisconsin, the Christmas card town, and probably have heard some of our tales regarding this minute Midwest town. Yeah, shitting on porches. and We've done some greasy shit that town. <laughs> Elkhorn was discovered in the early 1800s when uh, Colonel Samuel Phoenix spotted a rack of elk antlers and some trees and proclaimed, hey, there, this is Elkhorn there, guy. Hey, I don't think he sounded like it. that. He did. He was in New York. I think he sounded more like Colonel Sanders. How does that sound? Hey, get some chicken. All right. Cool. I'll go on day eight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that fucking sounds, but hey, we're going to keep moving. I have some good and some bad memories growing up in here in this. And uh, funny stories, of course, you've probably heard a lot of our funny, hilarious stories in Elkhorn. We've had a lot of experiences yeah. there. But one field, field trip that every kid who goes to Elkhorn remembers, and it's a local historical site called the Webster House. Do you remember yeah. it? And uh, many of you may not know the history behind this little white house. And this will lead us to the tale which we talk about today. You ready for this, Eric? I am, yeah. So the house was a Greek Revival-style cottage that was originally constructed in 1836, years before Wisconsin Avenue became a state in 1848. It was originally located in Elkhorn's Public Square, which is now the courthouse. And if you go downtown, you're going to see the courthouse. We do like our Christmas displays over there. It's not it even be, the courthouse anymore. It's not anymore. They it's moved now. There. The city police. It's department. like the city police department. Um, I don't know what else is in there right now. I have no idea. We used to skateboard there all the time. Remember, we get kicked out pretty much. There was a, pretty a, much a three, weekly. There was a three stair over there that everybody used to do. We used to get kicked out weekly, and that was like a normal thing. I, I mean, I remember hiding from the cops in a dumpster because they were like right there. It was stupid to skate there because the cops were right there. I'd yeah. jump into the dumpster to hide. I'd hide in my mom's, my stepmom's car, so the cops couldn't find me because I, I knew just, she worked yeah. there. Her Corsica at the time. It was like I would an, literally run. It was a late 90s, so it was a Corsica, okay? Give me a yeah. break here. So the building was also used for court cases until the real courthouse could be built in this area. And the building originally only measured about 18 by 22 foot, and it was just a one-story home. And in 1840, land office would be moved to the present site in the LaGrand Rockwell, by, by LaGrand Rockwell, who's a very famous Elkhorn first pioneer in the area. Yeah. We all know the name if you're from Elkhorn. Rockwell would add an east wing to the building, but the home would eventually be sold to a musician and composer named Joseph Philbrick Webster in 1857. And I'll tell you right now, Joseph Philbrick Webster, uh, really awesome stuff. Elkhorn, baby. Webster would add a kitchen onto the uh, onto the building as well as a front and back parlor. The back parlor was was actually used as a music room, and we will talk about Webster in just a bit regarding the musical fame. He also added a dining room, large kitchen, constructed three bedrooms in the upstairs area. And uh, so, before we move on to the Webster House, let's just let's just look over the Joseph Webster history and where he came from and how he landed in the Elkhorn was area. 
And Joseph Webster, commonly known as J.P. Webster, and if you don't know the 1800s naming convention, like I'm R.L. Sorry. Exactly, yeah. And you're E.P. Sturgeon. Yep. That's like our 1800s name. And he was born on uh, February 18th of 1890, 1819 in Manchester, New Hampshire. He always had a love for talent for music and went on to study with distinguished composers of the time, Lowell Mason and George James Webb, just to name a few. And these were big dogs around yeah. the turn of the century. Oh, yeah. So. And he would go on to perform with the Swedish Nightingale as a singer along with Jerry Lind as pianist. After touring mostly most of the Eastern Europe, uh, United States, including New York, D.A., he would eventually come to the Midwest to perform and eventually decided he wanted to settle in the Racine area. And we all know Racine, Wisconsin area. Maybe Shifty. It's, it's, a, it's, a little, it's a little sketch. It is now. It's a little sketch. It's not bad. You know, they have a really cool zoo there. They had and a actually, good supper club there, too. Yeah. Racine's not that bad. They definitely have some sketch, but that's everywhere. I mean, there's sketch everywhere you go nowadays. True. And due to him in uh, 1859 developing what is commonly known as the Lake Michigan Throat, and for those that don't know, it's actually a severe type of bronchitis, which um, the lake breeze comes in, yeah. cold and hot months. So you, your body's having trouble reaching homeostasis, right. causing like sore throat, you know, um, laryngitis, maybe common. Another a lot thing. easier to, to manage uh, with more modern uh, medical. Exactly. But back then they didn't have all this cool shit yeah. that we have now. So and after this decade uh, to move a bit away from Lake Michigan, he decided to settle in Elkhorn, Wisconsin area. As bad as it sounds, it did not stop him from his career in music and would lead him eventually to just becoming a composer. And he composed a lot of great songs. And during the Civil War and antebellum era, he would teach and compose songs related to the war and also helped assist the Union effort as a drill sergeant who would train soldiers in Elkhorn called the Wide Awakes, which we all know. They're another uh, Union soldier group from Wisconsin. Yeah. They're not as big as the Iron Brigade, right, obviously, right. but they are a very a large... smaller group, but still... Smaller group, yeah. Yeah. He would go on to write balance and hymns, including, you know, some well-known period uh, like pieces at this time. One being Lorena. He also opened what at the time were known as respectable saloon in the area. And a respectable saloon, I had to laugh at because is there a respectable saloon? There is not sal- a respectable saloon in Elkhorn. Yeah, exactly. So and he attracted <laughs> men who were talented with music and literature. One person who would eventually come under his wing was Sanford Fillmore Bennett and go. would later help him come up with the lyrics for Sweet By and By, which is huge. In the Sweet in the, By and By, right there in Elkhorn. Yeah, in the Sweet By and By came right from Elkhorn, Wisconsin. And that is like a, crimp, Chris, a Christian hymn. Yeah. More, a lot of people know this song. It's huge. It's massive. A great little hymn ballad, you know. And so here's, here's him speaking a little bit on the matter. So he came into my place of business in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, walked down to the stove and turned his back on me without speaking. I was at the desk. Turning to him, I said, Webster, what is the matter now? It's no matter, he replied. It will be all right by, by and by. And that's the idea of the hymn. That's how it kind of came about. And the sweet by and by, he would reply, why would not that make a good hymn? Maybe it would, he said indifferently, turning into my desk. I penned the words of a hymn as fast as I could write. I handed the words over to Webster. As he read, his eyes kindled, and stepping to the desk, he began writing the notes. Taking his violin, he played the melody and then jotted down the notes of the chorus. It was not over 30 minutes from the, t- from the time I took my pen to write the words before two friends with Webster and myself were singing the hymn, Sanford Fillmore Bennett, who was the guy who came into the respectable saloon that actually inspired him for this song. Right. So Webster would pass away on January 8th of 1875, the age of 56, and is buried actually at Elkhorn's Hazel Ridge Cemetery. That was th- January 18th. 
January 18th of 1875. And yeah. we've been to the cemetery. I mean, a yeah. lot of kids used to go do creepy stuff in the cemetery, you know, back by West Sons, sons of uh, uh, Leroy uh, live near the Hazelwood Cemetery. And Joseph P. Webster, in the sweet by and by, we shall meet, which is one of his claims to fame. That's where his epitaph read on the thing. Yeah. And it's kind of like his claim to fame, you know. I mean, if you if you have something famous you've done in your life, let's. What is ours going to say? Wisconsin drunken history. Two drunk druids drinking beer. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. Two drunk druids. Drunk <laughs> druids. Hey, hey, what druids? Hey, hey. Two uh, unhealthy individuals who who drink consume, a lot of beer. Who consume a came beverages. up with a podcast <clears throat> with music yeah. and Wisconsin history <laughs> during a pandemic. Decided to uh, meet up. So upon his death, his son Fred and his wife at the time, Mary Bird, would return to the home in 1930 to renovate the place. He was a teacher on the East Coast, but decided to return to his childhood home. And Fred would pass in 1948 and his wife in 1951, and they actually had no children to pass this house on to. And the relatives of the Websters were not interested in the property and would eventually sell the property to Walworth County, where we were from. The Walworth County Historical Society was leased the building for a dollar per year, which is a goddamn good deal. Yeah, well, that's the same deal as like what the Summerfest grounds were getting. So, yeah. It was like a dollar a year. And the home was restored and eventually opened as a museum in 1956 and officially opened on May 19th of 1957. On August 8th of 1970, the building was named as Wisconsin State Landmark and an official marker was installed. And it can be visited today and it actually has a ton of memorabilia fe- featuring like Civil War and Victoria like Vic- Victorian era items. Yeah. And I remember the one that was like really cool to me. It was like the first 3d glasses. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was like a picture you put in there and you like look through these like binocular type things and it actually makes a picture like pop. Yep. Yep. It was really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty cool technology for the time. And I think in the, you know, it's the turn of the century, 1880s, 1890s. It's pretty neat technology. Honestly. Yeah. There's really not a whole lot of really cool stuff that comes out of that, but, uh, really neat house, really cool history, great stories. Uh, of course, as we mentioned, Sweet By and By, uh, which every single one of you have heard, uh, that was penned. It was written right in Elkhorn uh, at a sketchy shit saloon. Respectable saloon. Come on. Hey, respectable. respectable All right. Which means most people had teeth and they kept their shirts on. But <laughs> not everybody did. Holy smokes. So uh, yeah, I just remember the Red Room. Oh, that was God. probably the sketchy saloon that they had this in. That's a red room. Oh yeah. my God, dude. But anyway, you know, you the, know, I do have friends. Is, I do have a lot of friends at the Elkhorn Saloon, which is probably the one I only visit. I've visited yeah. there recently. Like I knew Justin and his wife and their kid Ethan for like since I was a little guy. I used to babysit Ethan, which yeah. is crazy because now they've owned that saloon for a while. It's crazy that anybody would allow you to babysit. <sighs> I don't know, <laughs> but, All no, right. but that's the truth. Elkhorn hey, Saloon. You kind of go back there, and there's always kind of a little bit of a reunion. That used to be the way about the the uh, bowling alley. But yeah, that for doesn't sure. Exist anymore. And it's cool because so. I saw old pictures from the saloon um, back in the day when my my grandpa was there, and great grandpa actually had a couple brewskis there. And there's a picture nah, of him uh, sipping a couple Paps Blue Ribbons there at the bar. It was really cool to see that, and it's just a yeah. really cool piece of you know Elkhorn history. The saloon's real probably my favorite place to go in that time. In Elkhorn, yeah, uh, Moyes. And we all know like one. We all know food. one bar where we used to go and uh, racked up some. We tabs. don't say that name. We don't say the name, but we racked up some tabs yeah. and had a lot of drinks there. And, uh, but it was really close to the blue overall, which also doesn't exist anymore. They they kind of really. Changed. I did not yeah, know they, that. Uh, yeah, the, the, they sold out, and and a new a new owner is there, and it's called something blue. But yeah, I mean, just a, a really cool piece of uh, unique Elkhorn history that a composer. Uh, of of such a an amazing song, uh, did so right there in, in our little hometown, and 
uh, I mean, in a way, I think it, it potentially even uh, helped us and inspired us to become musicians. You know, I, I think from an early age, yeah, I was oh, always sure. I was always pounding on stuff, had two markers in my hand, pounding on a table. Uh, and really got interested in music, got a, my first guitar at like eight years old and uh, didn't really go on to that that Webster's Museum uh, field trip until a little bit later. But I think it just kind of helped me in a, in a subconscious way know that like even even in Elkhorn, you could you could become something cool. Yeah. And, you know, I have to give a shout out to because Elkhorn did have a really good music program. For learning too, music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Mr. For me, Simonson, a yeah. chorus teacher. I mean, for like drums and like learning bass guitar notes, that's kind of how I got my yeah. roots. I mean, it's Ms. where my Woboda roots are. turning yeah. me away from being a drummer. She told me, no, you can't. I mean, like for me, I started on like the, the pad and then I went to the snare drum and then I ended up playing the drums and then I started learning bass guitar like the notes for bass guitar. And then I eventually went to guitar, which is kind of my main instrument I play now mostly. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, that town, like we said, we have bad and good memories. It's yeah. uh, it, it, if you get All a chance, of them shaped us. Yeah. And if you get a chance, definitely go and check out the Webster house. It's a really neat piece of like little history. I mean, they have cool taxidermy. It's a museum. You're going to get a really cool tour. And, and there's other uh, really cool band related stuff to check out in Elkhorn as well. The, uh, um, Gets and Band Company is uh, oh is there. huge! It's worldwide. Holton, Holton Band Company. I don't I don't know if they even still operate, but they're from Elkhorn, Wisconsin as well. Uh, and and just a really cool band shell in the uh, in the uh, park there. Absolutely amazing stuff. You know what's crazy is I tr- I travel a lot for work because I'm an engineer, right? So in Mexico there was a band using Gets and instruments. As their as their trumpets, I'm yeah. like, this is just incredible. This came from our small little shit town in Wisconsin. And most, I mean, it's incredible most orchestras, most uh, band pits uh, probably feature at least a guess an instrument. instrument. But yeah, that's going to conclude our main segment for today. Yeah. And now on to our music segment. All right. So again, with this music, uh, this kind of takes Russ and I back to. Uh, our really? most influential period, mid two thousands, yeah, think emo, pop punk, post yep. punk kind of thing. Where all that sort of kind of came together, you know, with the uh, uh, with the skate scene, if you will, and and Warp Tour and all that stuff. Uh, it, this sort of is just a super super reminiscent of that time for us. And uh, the the band that we're featuring today again is North Breeze. They are uh, just an absolute fantastic example of what pop punk or power pop or you know that angsty emo kind of stuff can really be yeah and these guys are coming out of the milwaukee wisconsin area yeah. um th- they remind me a lot of the mid-2000s you know fuse pop i think of Berlin a lot and berlin a little bit and yeah then... the, definitely the red jumpsuit apparatus kind yeah. of along that line yeah. maybe that post-punk but dude these guys like nailed it like they have uh, the sound down. glory a little bit too yeah they have that, that sound, sound like nailed down and it's just yeah. phenomenal it's from our state and that we can claim like these guys are from Wisconsin. You know, I absolutely and love, I love this stuff. I love the scene that we have. Uh, uh, again, you know the 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 music is just so reminiscent of uh, where Russ and I kind of started really becoming interested in music. We had already had uh, our parents uh, influence us with the Beatles and Rolling Stones and uh, anything that you could call Vietnam era war music uh, was always huge for Dude, us. For the doors and stuff. The doors. Oh my God. Pink yeah. Floyd. I mean, my, yeah. I remember a story, me and my dad were in a basement one time and uh, I don't, I don't necessarily know if he was smoking some green stuff, but I'm pretty sure he was, you yeah. know? 
And uh, we were listening to Pink Floyd, The Wall. And like that album has been one of my favorites. And, Amazing. Like, it just reminds me like we just have such a foundation built here in Wisconsin. And these guys are just taking it to the next level. Like something that we really loved growing up. And these guys are awesome and phenomenal. And I recommend you go and check yeah. them out. Their band camp is awesome. It's so hard to pick a track when you get bands like this, you know? Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you listen to everything they have to offer and you're just like, I don't know what to pick. Everything's but, good. Um, like every song rocks, you know? It's I like, believe in this case, we actually had a little bit of their help to, to decide. But uh, uh, the song is called My Novocaine. And again, this is North Breeze.
I love it. Uh, what a really cool, uh, just like I said, standard kind of example of exactly yeah. what uh, power pop and pop punk and and uh, that can be. And but go and check out their Bandcamp, their Facebook, yeah. their social medias. Like they're just great. Another good band. We gotta go see Eric. I, mean, I was just gonna say another one of those ones that. Damn it. Once we have the chance and, and once they've announced everything and, and maybe they have, you know, uh, uh, by now, but the go see them. I mean, I guarantee this is going to be one of those energetic, upbeat shows uh, and, and watch for them, too, because they're probably going to be at, at bigger festivals uh, soon enough. You know, Riot Fest is uh, right in our backyard every year in uh, in Chicago. So now on to our brew review segment and uh, this one. Looks like it's going to be tasty. It's, it's awesome. So this uh, one's from uh, Humble Forager, which Humble is actually located. Forager. It's located in Wanakee, Wisconsin. Yeah. And uh, the one we're drinking today is actually called Cloud Hopping, and it is an oak, another oak cream IPA, which is really cool. This is like a new thing for me. This is really good. Um, this one features Galaxy Mosaic um, Cryo Cryo Mosaic. So they must have like cryo this sucker. Cashmere Ooh. Idaho Seven. And um, I'm going to read off the can here real quick before we get into the actual review itself. This oat cream IPA has a ton of oats and is just a dash of lactose for a smooth, creamy body. We double dry hop this batch with Galaxy, Mosaic Cryo, Cashmere, and Idaho 7, creating a popping passion fruit character with a dank citrus tones. Take an adventure with us at HumbleForgeBrewing.com. And this one's awesome. The artwork, again, really cool. Top notch. I saw this can again. You're seeing the wing of a plane kind of going over like a lake, and you're seeing some like maybe pines. It's like a watercolor, you think? It's like a watercolor look. Definitely, yeah. All pastels. It's uh, like a colors. Yeah, it's really cool. You're seeing the wing of the plane. You're going over maybe Lake Michigan, I'm thinking, with the uh, pines in the background there. Maybe Lake Wandawiga. Wandawiga. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect for this episode yeah, here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this one is again brewed in Wanakee, Wisconsin. Um, and I'm going to take the first sip. Eric, your well, thoughts. I already did, yeah. Your initial I, thoughts. I took a first sip, and it was absolutely delicious. Uh, I thought it was very similar to the the former, uh, like two episodes ago, we did a uh, the cream ale uh, IPA, and it tasted great. And it's it's this one again is really balanced. You're getting actually uh, the the hoppiness kind of forward a little bit on this one too, uh, which we didn't really get on that last one. I, I'm I'm absolutely liking this. Yeah, I think the hop for me that's coming through uh, right away is the uh, Idaho Seven. Yeah. I'm getting an Idaho 7 hit on yeah. the back here. Um, you're tasting a little bit of that mosaic. You're getting a lot of that dry flavored. Yeah. You know, it's carbed probably to perfection. I don't think this thing should be any more carbed than it is. Yeah. Honestly, it's probably perfect for the type. Another, t- where, you know, the collaboration. A little bit of pininess on, on, the, on the really like. Yeah. After you've sipped and then you take a second for like a minute and then you're just like. And it's another hop I'm not super familiar with is a cashmere. So I'm guessing that might be the more piney hop we're thinking here. Um, but, yeah. uh, but again, like the, the galaxy, the mosaic and the really Idaho seven, freshness. we know very well. Um, but again, just a fresh beer, it pours, you know, it's a clearish light brown color, you know, lightly carbonated, which is probably perfect for this. Cause it's more of a creamy type IPA. Yeah. But I think the two collaborations together are making a really good beer. And it's, it's new to me because these have kind of been popping up. Good use of lactose on there. Uh, small amount of lactose. It's not quite like a, a milkshake. It's definitely less than that. Um, in, 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 I guess the thickness or creaminess of it, but, um, uh, still, I think what you said of the last one where, uh, it would be a good sort of introductory beer to somebody who's 
just trying to get out of some of the domestics uh, and, and like, you know, light beers. Uh, this one again would be a close one to try. You know, uh, it might be a, a a little bit of a leap off of the off the dock, but uh, it's good. It's not. It's not going right into the deep end though. It's yeah, kind of more exactly. the moderate. Like you can still bob. You know what I mean? Like this one's kind yeah. of in the middle there. And again, I mean, there's so many beers. I mean, and we're not picky. Like me and Eric drink shit beer. Oh, yeah. On top of everything. We drink a lot of shit beer. A lot of Bush Light. A lot of Bush Light. A lot of like High Life. A lot of Miller Light. You know, just shitty Wisconsin domestics and Bush Light, which is a huge Iowa staple. Everywhere you go in Iowa, do you ever notice that? People no. drink Bush Lattes. Not really in Iowa a lot, but I can imagine it. Yeah. It's uh, kind of like... Iowa and uh, Nebraska. Yeah, you sip this sucker down hard. I'm sure it's probably there. But again, man, this one is just phenomenally crafted. It is from Humble Forger. Again, Wanakee, Wisconsin. Really tasty. 6.5% ABV. So it's not on the super high end of IPAs, but it's on the, it's upper, you know? Like yeah. you, you're going to drink a six pack of these and probably equal a 12 pack of Bush Lattes. Oh yeah, you're going to drink too many of these and feel pretty good but it's another one where the artwork is phenomenal like the humble forger they have a lot of forging things they have a tent compasses a guy walking with a backpack backpacks you know it's it's kind of that like wisconsin northwoods uh you know getting a couple uh two tree uh mushrooms and bringing them home with you the chicken of the yeah, woods there finding and, uh, finding your stuff uh, as you go along you know a couple oyster you're driving oyster on the mushrooms. side of the road all of a sudden you see a good wild uh, asparagus or something yeah, yeah, it's an asparagus patch i'm stopping over barb i'm gonna go pick some of these bad boys there and uh, you just wait in the car i'll be right back it's kind of my thing here. This is a forger. This is the guy. This is the guy you're talking about here. And yeah. uh, again, I found this one at a festival. It is, again, the Humble Forger Cloud Hopping Oat Cream IPA. Pick it up. Try it out. Tell us what you think. And uh, on to our next segment. Grab a seat. Gather around. Join us for a chat. How many logos you have? Well, oh, shit. My folks, you know what that means. That's yeah. another edition of How Many, many Logos You Had, Brother. Was that harmonizing? Did we just harmonize? Harmonize? Did we just hominate? Hominids? Are we hominides? Yeah, we got a good one for you today. We are just as drunk as this guy in this next Article. This was coming. This is a Seymour man here, right? Yeah. So De Pere, Wisconsin, uh, is the uh, is the office uh, the officers. Uh. <laughs> Ooh, doggy, <laughs> way to rip it, baby. Uh, so yeah, De Pere, Wisconsin. So a Seymour man was arrested for a fourth offense, uh, operating while intoxicated. He, dude, he hit the quad. And uh, he is 30 years old. Okay. He was found shoeless near the site of the crash uh, early Sunday morning. Now, nobody was injured, just so you know. Uh, this uh, was a uh, single vehicle crash. The Wisconsin State Patrol was called out to I-41 near De Pere. Uh, the state trooper on the scene found a pair of shoes near the vehicle and later located the individual. Uh, the trooper reported that uh, the 30-year-old male showed signs of impairment. That's pretty normal. This uh, is like five eighteen a.m. Yeah, this guy had a long night, dude. I'm sure he probably crashed in somewhere Big near like three or nights. four o'clock. Yeah. Holy uh, according to the police report, the uh, individual refused a field sobriety test, and a warrant was then issued by authorities oh. for a blood draw, which 
That's the normal thing. Uh, if, you, if you're yeah, out if on you, scene, yeah, right? They're gonna have to you, figure it out. Exactly. So if you uh, refuse uh, the the field sobriety, they're automatically gonna get a warrant, and it's gonna be issued immediately, and you're gonna go to the blood draw. The only uh, the only thing that you have there is the 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 hope and prayer that, that you've you're come that down close, enough. That you've you're come that down close. Enough. Right. That by the time you get to the hospital, uh, the blood draw is 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 low. You know. Um. But. It never, it really never works. Anyway, uh, the individual was later booked into the Brown County Jail on charges of fourth offense operating while under the influence, uh, failure to install an ignition interlock device because of his Jeez. previous uh, offenses, the unsafe lane deviation, operating without a license, failure to report an accident, and hit and run property adjacent to Yikes. the highway. So, uh, long list of things that this guy is going to be nailed for. So we don't have the blood draw though, but we know the age. We yeah. got a lot of things here. And He's he did 30. hit some property. Um probably signs. Uh it's adjacent to highway, so that usually means probably sign yeah, that's what I'm a thinking. Sign like for exit like sign exit sign or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this guy, okay. I mean I have I have a number in my head and I was kind of thinking about this. So I've this got guy, a thought. This guy's not like passed out because he's still operating, but he is on that limit there. He's they found on that him limit. In a field. He's on that limit. They found him in a field. And they and they did figure out he is drunk. Like it's a shoe, sobriety test. He doesn't have shoes on. He's I'm gonna tell you right now. And I it think, is April, right? April fifth is when this, April fifth is when this happened. Yeah. So I think you're missing though a a massive indicator here. So, but, but no, we'll, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no I, I want, I want to hear our numbers. Okay, I want to hear our numbers first, and then let's give I th- our reasoning. I think this guy, because he's a veteran, his age and some of the things, I think I have my number here, and he is shoeless in April, which could yeah. be real. April in Wisconsin is still cold. Well, let's let's give our numbers okay. on Sounds three. Good. Let's give our numbers, and then then we will sort of try to uh, reason with with what we come up with. Okay? Sounds good. So one, two, three, fourteen. 16. Okay. Cause you Shit, know, you're what? higher than I thought you would yeah, be. Yeah. So like what I'm thinking is like this guy, like because he's not functioning properly, his shoes are off in April, which in Wisconsin, April is still cold. We yeah. get snow in April still. It's cold as balls. We get snow into like May and I don't sometimes, think I've seen sometimes June. early May. For sure. Early May, for sure. I've seen May May snows. But this guy, like, because of the shoes, because of him in the field, because of him not passing out, um, you well, know. We don't know. I mean, when they found him, he they had didn't to take, say he, he was and passed he didn't, out. He didn't give the AB, they didn't give a blood draw because he had to get, I mean, they didn't give a breathalyzer because he had a blood draw. You know, so this guy. Right. He, like, he refused to, uh, uh, the, the field He's sobriety. a veteran. He's a veteran of drinking, but being on this level and being a veteran of drinking, that's why I went to the 16th. But he's definitely not going to be an MVP. He's not going to be. He's not going to be uh, uh, in the Hall of Fame because he's he not refused. the postman. He's not the everybody postman knows here, you refuse at the site. You know what's going to happen. He's not a ninety Chicago Bull of drinking. No. Okay. Not at all. So, um, so you're thinking. So what you were thinking? What was you fourteen? I said fourteen. I'm and, thinking and, sixteen. I think we got to meet in the middle here. I think we got to go with the fifteen local. Oh yeah, for sure. The DAC so Cinco. Fifteen is is one hundred percent the the answer here, and and the the reason why I went with fourteen is because, uh, he clearly was of of some sign uh, of sound uh, mind and body because he said, "Oh shit, I crashed. I hit a sign. I need to I need to get out of here." I don't know what the hell happened to his shoes. Why he decided flop those babies off, but the the thing is is that then he was found in the field, which to me means. He he maybe got like exhausted after you know walking for like 
who knows, it could 20, be. 30 feet. And then uh, uh, because on the side of the highways, you have to remember, that's not usually good land. It's bumpy. It's hilly. There's sometimes maybe even farms. He probably only walked a short distance, got right. tuckered out. Legs probably couldn't handle it. And, you, I mean, you know what it's like when you're when you're drunk. If you hit rough terrain, uh, it takes your knees out pretty quickly. And once those knees are out, guess what? Night-night. Right. You you're, know what? You're going to call it a night. For me, I always, uh, do you know that, like, it was, like, probably in the fuse, kind of, like, which, which is funny because we have, like, that, you know, fuse music today. Yeah. Do you remember the color, Fred? Yeah. Get out, get out, get out. You're not, I'm not driving. Dri- yeah. That yep. should have been this guy's thought in the first place. Yeah. And that's uh, kind of my thought. Fred is, from uh, dude, the color Taking Fred, Back Sunday. Taking Back Sunday. I always yeah. think about it when I'm really drunk. I'm like, get, get out, get out, get out. You're, you're not driving. driving. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, that's how I always think when I'm that drunk. Yeah. And this guy did not do that. But uh, we're going 15 local on here. You want us on the gavel? Uh, yeah, on this I think, Eric, you feel comfortable? 15 is about as comfortable as I feel. All right. Today we're here with Eric from Modicum Brewery. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And uh, we just wanted to hear a little history about Modicum and uh, how you guys got your start. Sure, yeah. Uh, So I started brewing professionally about 11 years ago, uh, brewing for other breweries in the area. And, uh, you know, through the whole time I was brewing at other breweries, everyone kept asking me, when are you going to start your own brewery? And my answer was (laughs) always, it was always never. You know, I never wanted to open uh, my own place. Uh, I just wanted to make beer. Uh, but, uh, just working at other breweries and, and, you know, as things progressed, I started to realize, you know, if I really wanted to, to focus on the styles of beer that I wanted to make and do the things that I really wanted to do that I was going to have to open my own place. Um, so, uh, eventually just made the decision to do it. Uh, we opened in, uh, Oh, it's July of 2017, um, so we're coming up on our fourth anniversary here. Um, and yeah, our, our whole approach is really, you know, to be as small of a brewery as as possible. Um, you know, we're a, we're a five barrel brew house. Um, we average about 500 barrels a year of annual production, um, and you know, as a brewer who in the past has, you know, brewed for constantly growing, constantly expanding breweries, that uh, annual production just kept going up and up and up and up. Uh, it's, it's definitely where I want to be, you know, constant growth is a, is a serious headache and it takes your focus away from the stuff, you know, that actually is important, like making good beer. So, right. uh, yeah, we just focus on making small amounts of, you know, of good quality, we, we good quality beer and right. yeah we tend to we tend to focus more on you know balanced styles we don't brew a lot of crazy in your face you know beers with a ton of you know adjuncts or anything like that we tend to focus a lot on kind of classic styles uh, or kind of new world takes on old world styles is kind of the, the thing that we really tend to focus on yeah absolutely and, and kind of speaking to that uh, is there a particular beer or brew recipe that you're uh that you're pretty fond of uh i mean that's such a hard question we, <laughs> i know we, they're like your children we, right yeah i mean we brew so many different styles of beer we're really kind of all over the place um you know as a as a brewer um you know when i first started out brewing uh, professionally i you know just like a lot of people i think i was really drawn into 
you know, brewing a wide range of styles and brewing a different beer every day. And, and when you get into production, you know, brewing, it's that's really never the case. When you're production brewing on a commercial scale, you're you're typically just brewing the same beers over and over and over again. Right, you know? right. People people don't realize that when you have a um, a flagship beer that's seventy percent of your sales. That means that seventy percent of the time it's, you're brewing that beer. <laughs> right, right. It's always in the kettle. Um, yeah. So you know, when I first started out, I I definitely was a little bored with with brewing the same beers over and over again. And over the last eleven years of doing this for a living, I've I've actually kind of flip flopped completely. And now I I really like brewing uh the same beer over and over and over again and trying to trying to perfect it as much as i can because that's you know if people don't brew they don't realize how difficult that is to especially on a small scale to brew you know high quality beer over and over and over again and consistently Uh, yeah yeah consistently so i i really love the challenge of that so you know i love a lot of the beers that we make but my one of my favorite beers to brew is our just straight up uh, Munich style Hellas. Um, Love Hellas. Really, really easy drinking pale lager. And it's, I think one of the hardest styles of beer in the world to make. And it's really hard to make consistently. Um, So as a brewer, I I really appreciate the challenge. I love getting lost in the, the, the little details of technique and process and trying to, make that beer as, as perfectly as possible every single time we brew it. Yeah. I, as a consumer love Hellas lagers. So. I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's one of my, one of my favorites, especially like, you know, I, I've had my fair share of all the pale ales, IPAs, APAs, milkshake IPAs. It's, it's once in a while I go back to like those box or those lagers, you know, they're, they're kind of like, you know, it, it's, it's the step up from going from a MGD to the craft beer world. And to yeah. make a perfect one is like, exactly what you need everybody's in this still, market. Yeah, everybody's trying. It's, it's, it's awesome that you're doing that. Yeah, you know, and, and we brew lots of pale ale and, and other stuff too, and, and we brew, you know, we, we brew a lot of Belgian styles and things like that as well, but we definitely brew a lot of lager. You know, I've always been a lager fanatic ever since I really got into beer. Um, and, you know, for a person like me, over the last 11 years, you know, people have been saying, Oh, this is the year of the logger. This is the year of the logger. Everyone's, you know, everyone's going to be in the logger this year, and it never happened, and it never happened. And I think now, in the last like year or two, it really people are starting. Craft beer drinkers are starting to turn to more traditional logger styles and and really appreciating them. So it's that's exciting for me to see. You know, I mean, I still love brewing other stuff too, but as as a brewer, I, I really do love the challenge of of brewing those styles and and when i'm done you know working in the brewery all day uh sweating to death and and in a hundred degree brewery you know it's the first thing i do is i go sit at the bar and pour myself a glass of hellas yeah yeah i know for uh, me and eric i we obviously started in lagers like most people in high school you know you sipping yeah. them out of a sendix bag at a party yep. so <laughs> it's like, i don't think i did that but. i did that but hey i was yeah uh, it's, it's funny to see how you know people have, have come come full circle on that a little bit you know we we all started out drinking cheap american lager beer yep yeah and uh and you know discovered craft beer and really got into you know a wide range of styles and it's really funny to see people kind of come back around to the revisit these lager styles especially after they've 
you know, you've you've drank, you know, saisons and double IPAs and Scottish ales and you know all kinds of different styles of beer, and you've developed a palate a little bit, and now you come back to these uh, these lager styles that before you thought were kind of boring and, and uninteresting, and now that you have the ability to really taste and and express what it is you're tasting, it's it's like a whole new world opened up. Awesome, Eric. And we can't wait to get down there. Honestly, yeah. we're both looking forward to like what is considered a new normal. And uh, yeah. we cannot wait. And uh, we hope we can make it down there, maybe do a, a quick, maybe personalized tour just to come and see you and uh, maybe talk some more beer in Ameri- and uh, Wisconsin history in general. Yeah, definitely. That sounds great. Cool. And then before we let you go, we got a few questions to ask you to find out how Wisconsin are you, which we always ask our guests if you're uh, ready sure. for it. All right. Yeah, go, go ahead. Shoot. All right, so have you ever tailgated at a Brewers, Packers, or a Badgers game? Uh, yes, uh, Lambeau Field. Awesome. Have you <laughs> well, hit all? Have you yeah. hit all three? I haven't hit all three. I, I'm actually really. Uh, I don't really pay attention to sure. to uh, Badgers or any of that stuff. Just Packers. So, um, but yeah, Lambeau Field for sure, several times. Absolutely. Is there a beer you recommend for uh, beer brats that you guys brew? Oh, man, you know, I mean, obviously the lagers are always great for boiling brats. Right on. Um, but I think the uh, I think any of our Belgian beers work really, really well with brats. They, yeah. they, bring, a, they bring a different level of, of something to the brats. All right, so a Milwaukee question for you. Have you ever closed Wolskis? I have not. You have not closed <laughs> Good. Wolskis? Good okay. for you. I mean, I'm, I'm, I couldn't do it now, but in my younger days I have closed yeah. Wolskis, so. <laughs> definitely, definitely in my 20s I, I had been there yeah, oh, wait, we got a couple more for you uh, have you ever been to Summerfest and do you have a memorable band you've been you've seen there oh man yes I have been to Summerfest um, this this was a, a really I, I like a lot of a lot of music but I, I I'm kind of a, a heavy music fan and uh, one of my first times down at Summerfest a really long time ago Somebody was like, oh, you need to go check out this band. They're new and no one's ever heard of them before. Uh, and it was it was Seven Dust. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Were, Actually, like, like that guy, Lejean, has an awesome voice. It's, yeah, it's pretty incredible. They, they blew up and got, like, enormous after that, but they were on one of the side stages and, like, no one had ever heard of them before, and it was kind of funny. So that was really memorable for me. Nice. All right, so other than uh, your brewery, um, do you have another brewery you recommend going to visit? And uh, it doesn't have to be within Wisconsin. It can be anywhere. Oh, man. I mean, It's such a tough that's, question because there's like a million of them. You yeah. know it's what I mean? impossible. You know, it, there are so many good breweries out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, right now off the top of my head, and it was because I was just there last week and it's fresh in my memory, but my, my good friend Ryan Vernon owns a brewery uh, just west of us in Menominee. Uh, called uh, Brewery Nonic, and it makes some of the most perfect, like really, really traditional English cask ales, and they're just really, really good. And you can sit down and drink like ten of them. So awesome, amazing! Yeah, I'm really interested to try that. Yeah, I've yeah. actually never heard of them, so I'm really excited. Like, obviously, like we we both got our COVID shots, so we can't wait to get out and actually yeah. uh, go and see more stuff now, which is considered the new normal, I guess. But right. I mean, I miss breweries. I miss music more than anything in the world. I'm going to wear a mask yeah. and a diaper. A mask so. and a diaper. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, you're covering both, both, both holes. Whatever. So you're good. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, we, we appreciate your time, yeah. Eric. And uh, we cannot wait. And uh, we hope we can do like a little personalized tour and uh, maybe sit down and talk more beer with you soon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I look forward to it.
Eric, awesome. thank you so much for your time on this Sunday, and uh, we look forward to uh, reaching out further. All right. All right. Thanks Sounds a lot. good. All right. Bye. All right, bye. Yeah, bye. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, watch out for deer on your way home.